You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek Podcast. This episode presented by Associate Minister Joel Snipson. The reading today is from Jeremiah 23, 1 through 8, from the New International Version. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds who tend my people. Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them and will bring them back to their pasture, where they will be fruitful and increase in number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them and they will no longer be afraid or terrified, nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, a king who will, be, who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called, the Lord, our righteous Saviour. So then the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites out of Egypt, but they will say, As surely as the Lord lives, who brought the descendants of Israel up out of the land of the north and out of all of the countries where he had banished them, then they will live in their own land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, let us pray. Lord, we thank you that all scripture is useful for teaching and training us in righteousness. As we open your word today, we pray your spirit speaks to us and helps us to live this for your praise and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, over the last few weeks, we've turned on our television sets and we've seen images of Russian forces invade sovereign and democratic Ukraine. Innocent civilians in apartment blocks have been killed. There's been news of children's hospitals being hit by air raids. Families have desperately scattered to neighbouring countries like Poland for survival. And then many are left in underground train stations with limited food and water. And we've seen on top of this Vladimir Putin make press conferences justifying it all. See, our world has seen the importance of leadership because bad leaders cause a great deal of harm. For most of us, though, bad leadership hasn't been in times of war. But here in safe and free Australia, there's still much mistrust in our leadership. As we see, politicians' promises are not kept and there's mistrust when there's incompetence and policies are compromised. 
See, the problem with leadership is there is a gap between what we expect and reality. We expect what is righteous and just, and what we get is unrighteous and unjust. Last week, we began the series called The Good Shepherd, where we heard from Psalm 23, the God is our good shepherd who is with us and he cares for us. And this theme song of the good shepherd continues today in Jeremiah 23. See, while God is the good shepherd, his plan was to give us human shepherds to care for his sheep and reflect God's care for us. But in our passage, the prophet is speaking on behalf of God, and he has a lot to say to Judah's leaders. Come with me to verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. These are really bad shepherds. These kings were from Judah, which is the southern part of God's kingdom, and they had one job, to care and protect God for God's sheep. But what did they do? They scattered them. They destroyed them instead. These leaders certainly did not meet our expectations. And now the theme song of the Good Shepherd had gone horribly wrong. It had gone completely off tune. The song was now unrecognizable. See, their failure as shepherds was no innocent mistake. They had expectations of what it meant to be a king. Earlier in the Old Testament, in the book of 2 Samuel, God promises David that his throne would last forever, that he would be with them forever. But as the saying goes, with great power comes great responsibility. See, God had made a covenant with his people, especially to these leaders, and the covenant is a bit like a contract. If you've ever signed a contract, you know you have to read the fine print. There's responsibilities on both parties that they are legally bound to. See, God would be faithful to them. God, he, their throne would last forever, but there was an expectation of Judah's kings that they would follow and lead like God. See, these shepherds were expected to go back to the law, to books like Deuteronomy, where it showed them in detail how to lead with justice and righteousness. They were to lead the sheep to worship God alone. They were to care for the poor and the oppressed among them. But reality couldn't be further from expectation. While there was one exception in King Josiah, in Jeremiah's chapters 21 and 22, we see his four descendants were anything like him. They told a completely different story of unrighteousness and injustice. For example, he calls out one guy called King Jehoiakim. And what he does is he goes and builds this opulent, this luxurious palace for himself but the money he used for this was the wages he was meant to pay the laborers. This was like wage theft on an epic scale. These kings were brutal. They were violent. 
They oppressed the refugees and the widows and the fatherless among them, and they thought they could get away with it. It didn't stop there. They weren't only unjust, they were unrighteous. While they were meant to lead the sheep to worship God alone, what did they do? Well, in Jeremiah chapter 7, we see these horrific scenes where they oversee the worship of Canaanite gods, even sacrificing children in their pagan ceremonies. And God says, this evil did not even enter my mind. This is so messed up. You couldn't even make this up. See, the shepherds were entrusted to care and protect the sheep and they destroyed and scattered them instead. As we consider corrupt leadership, it goes beyond politics. It's crept into sport. Even the Australian cricket team hasn't been exempt. Maybe you've been really impacted by a bad manager in your workplace or your company's leadership culture promotes practices that you know are not right. See, in our culture, it's frowned upon to mix religion and politics. They're the two things you cannot discuss at a dinner party, right? Well, in Jeremiah's day, religion and politics went together. See, Judah's kings were spiritual leaders, but they were also political leaders. They were the head of state, but they also represented God. So in our day as New Testament Christians, this passage causes us to consider spiritual leadership, the leadership in the church. And as we consider modern history, reality sadly has not met our expectations. We've seen the injustice of celebrity preachers getting rich, flying around in private jets from the generosity of poor believers in Latin America. We've seen the unspeakable evils of child sexual abuse in the Australian church. If you serve, you know that there's a lot of requirements. You've got a working with children's check and you've got police checks and other training required of you. At St John's, we take child safety very seriously. This is a way we love and serve our family. But the reality is this is only required because of the consequences of a bad few leaders, those entrusted to protect and care have destroyed and misused their power. We've also seen some high-profile Christian leaders, even some with good theology. They may have been inspiring preachers, but they've been exposed as bullies, as sexual predators, as spiritual abusive, and, and leaving a wake of broken and shattered sheep in their path. The good news of our passage today is God holds bad shepherds accountable. Jeremiah says this to Judah's leaders, verse 2, Because you have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not bestowed care on them, I will bestow punishment on you for the evil you have done, declares the Lord. See, these, these leaders didn't just ignore God's covenant with them, but they went completely against it. So there's a consequences. They would be punished. One of the kings on the throne at the time of this being written was King Zedekiah. And what he does is he sees the armies of Babylon coming towards them to besiege them. 
And instead of repenting of his part in the corruption, he prays that God would save them at the 11th hour like someone praying for the first time on a plane that is crashing. And God says to him, I'm not fighting for you, I'm fighting against you. Here, God's judgment happens straight away for corrupt leadership. We see in chapter 22, Judah is seized. Its king, who'd been in power for only three months, Jehoiakim, has taken away, he's captured and led away in exile. But let me be clear. The punishment that falls on God's people here is squarely on the shoulders of Judah's leaders. It was their fault. It's important to see that God loves. He cares for his sheep. He doesn't sit idly by when corrupt leaders do evil, particularly in his name. See, with all that's going on in our world right now, there is a certainty that God will hold them to account. But God's justice is not always so immediate. If not now, all wrongs will be made right one day. There is a comfort to us in that. God is not indifferent. God is not silent in the face of evil when sometimes it feels like he is. And here, Jeremiah is speaking to sheep who are in the darkest of valleys. They were facing a civil war. They were faced exile, like the images on our television sets of Ukraine. They'll be attacked from the north. They'll be captured. They'll lose their homes and their land and scattered into foreign places. And David's throne that was meant to last forever appeared to end as their king was taken away. And these fearful sheep were left wondering, is God done with us. But it's in this darkest valley that there is a glimmer of hope, expectation of a good shepherd to come. These people might fairly ask the question, how do we know this coming king is actually good? Well, this shepherd is good because he is righteous and just. Come with me to verse 5. A king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. In verse 5, we actually see more of about the identity of this just and righteous king. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. See, if you have had a property and you've had a dead tree on your property, you know that they are a problem. As the roots decay, it becomes a safety risk they can topple over and they often need to be removed. And here Jeremiah paints a picture of a dead, corrupt tree representing king after king that's gone before. But surprisingly, there's a successor of David, a righteous branch. New life is coming from the least likely place. Because this shepherd is from David's line, it brings us back to the idea of God's covenant contract with his people. When it looked like God had given up on them because their kings were so bad, now there's a king who'd be coming who'd be faithful to his end of the deal. 
But the question is, how can a human leader be perfectly righteous and just? They've all been corrupt. We'll look to verse 3. God says, I myself will do it. I myself will gather the remnant of my flock. This king will be perfectly righteous and just because it will be God. Amongst the failure of human leaders, God will faithfully shepherd his sheep. And in verse 6, we see something about this good shepherd's name, the Lord, our righteous saviour. This is actually having a dig at King Zedekiah. Remember the guy who prayed last minute when Babylonian was besieging them. Anyway, his name means along the lines of the Lord, our righteous. Zedekiah clearly did not live up to his name. If you've ever seen a prequel movie, like example, Monsters, Inc., was followed by Monsters University, which is set before, which showed how the monsters learned how to be monsters. See, in a prequel movie, you know what happens in the end, but you engage in the storyline to engage with key characters and themes that gives context to what you have seen. Well, unlike Jeremiah, we know the ending of this story. We know the identity of this good shepherd, a king who would live up to his name. He is perfectly righteous and just because he is God. Only Jesus' life and rule meets expectations. His life was defined by justice, bringing good news to the poor and setting the oppressed free. His life was defined by righteousness, showing us the way to know the living God. And as verse 6 indicates in the New Testament, those who trust in Jesus receive his righteousness. His righteousness becomes ours through a gift of grace. See, this shepherd is good because he will save the sheep. Verse 6, in his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. This good shepherd deeply cares for the sheep. He will gather the scattered sheep and bring them back home. In verses 7 and 8, we see this good shepherd bringing about a new way of salvation. See, in the Bible, the benchmark of salvation was the exodus. It's where God had graciously parted the seas and saved his people from being slaves in Egypt. But now Jeremiah speaks of a better, a new exodus. And while the expectation was that this good shepherd would just bring a remnant, a small group of people back home from Babylon, and history tells us that this happens. If you read the book of Ezra, we know under uh, the grandson of Jehoiakim, a guy called Zerubbabel, they come back to Jerusalem. But see here, returning to the land didn't translate to righteous and just lives. Only through Jesus, we know this new and better way of salvation. See, this promise was not just a small group of people at one point in time, but a promise to the whole world throughout the ages. 
And while tyrant leaders only care about themselves and send others into harm's way, Jesus, the good shepherd, willingly went into harm's way for us, laying his life down for the sheep. Only Jesus, the good shepherd, brings us salvation because he is God, he is king, who's established a new covenant contract with us through shedding his blood, a kingdom that will have no end. And we're invited to join in this good shepherd's righteous and just rule. See, in verse 6, we've seen he is the Lord, our righteousness. And this righteousness given to us is more than a spiritual new reality before God, but it's power to live just like him. And we're invited to partner with the good shepherd's righteous and just reign in this world. And this is a call for us both individually, but also collaboratively, uh, corporately as a church. Maybe as a church taking steps towards reconciliation and justice with the First Nations people in our communities here, but also beyond in our nation. Maybe it's serving those in our community faced with unemployment, underemployment and food insecurity. Maybe it's advocating for those without voices, for the oppressed living amongst us, whether asylum seekers or the unborn. Maybe it's turning away from idols of addiction and consumerism, getting the latest thing to be generous towards others. How are you being led in justice and righteousness as you follow our Good Shepherd? See, this isn't just for the political types. This isn't just for the woke. Jesus commands us all to love our neighbours as ourselves, which means other people's problems suddenly becomes my problem, even people that we might not know. So choose your shepherd wisely. See, our hearts can be tempted to put our hope in these earthly shepherds, whether they are health gurus or sports stars or business entrepreneurs or social movements or their leaders or political leaders that seem they haven't sold out. We can be tempted to seek out justice and righteousness outside of the good shepherds, but in places where they'll never be perfectly realised. See, there's a tension. We live in this world. We live between two kingdoms. While Jesus is our good shepherd, we live in a world with earthly leaders. The New Testament actually calls us to pray for, to respect, even obey our earthly leaders. There's limits. It's without crossing lines of disobeying God. And it's good to advocate for just causes. There's an election this year. Consider policy, pray, vote. However, Jeremiah 23 makes something pretty clear to us. Earthly leaders have real limits at achieving righteousness and justice in our world. See, the Judah's king's corruption was a symptom of a deeper heart issue at play. They failed to be led by the good shepherd. See, only under King Jesus will righteousness and justice ultimately be realised in our world. And if we're indifferent to the poor, 
if there's this ongoing sin in our lives, it's not because we're not woke enough or that we're not moral enough. It's because we don't worship Jesus enough. And as I finish, the good shepherd also gives human shepherds to reflect him. While the Good Shepherd theme song went really off tune as we encountered these kings of Judah. And I've shared some examples how Christian leaders have better resembled them than our Good Shepherd. Spiritual leadership matters. And you'd think, well, you're saying that because you're a minister, you're just trying to justify your job, right? Well, in verse 4, we see their role. The good shepherd will give under shepherds who will tend to, who will care, who will protect. He will cast fear from the sheep. See, in Jeremiah, we often see what should be by seeing things go terribly wrong. And Jeremiah's accusation of corruption and injustice wasn't just for these kings, but it was also for the prophets. As we read on in this chapter, They're exposed as corrupt. They're exposed as lying to the people. See, they didn't call the sheep back to God's word, but they gave the people a false sense of security in their sin. They said it's okay to live just like the world. They said, you do you. But under shepherds are called to speak truth, even against popular opinion. I earlier discussed Australian churches failing to protect children from child sexual abuse. But this has only happened when leaders fail to speak up against popular opinion. Because these perpetrators had power, they had influence. People failed to speak up, frightened that they'll lose friendships, frightened they'll lose standing in their community. So evil was ignored, it was excused, and the innocent were destroyed. See, truth can be taught by a pulpit like this. But ultimately, it is demonstrated in one's life when it's consistent with what we do and with what we say. Righteousness and justice isn't only publicly shared, but it's privately lived, not saying one thing and doing another. This is humbling. This is a high bar. All of us leaders, we have brokenness, we have limits. I can guarantee you every member of staff and clergy on our team will fail you or disappoint you at one point in time. But unlike Judah's bad shepherds who oppressed the sheep, the call of human shepherds is to lead the sheep by being examples, by being humble. Paul says this to the elders in 1 Peter 5. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. See, this call of spiritual leaders is no small thing. It is an honour. It is a privilege to serve, but we need God's help. We need your help with prayers and accountability. It doesn't take much for a good leader to fall and become a bad leader. See, the end of the day, under shepherds can only serve, protect, 
care for, help the sheep flourish by looking to the good shepherd, our servant king. See, as Jeremiah prophesies in this passage, only under Jesus, the destroyed are protected, the scattered are gathered, the missing are found, and the fearful become fruitful. And if you've been disillusioned with leadership, even in the church, at best disappointing you, at worst really hurting you, if trying to live in the world has, has made you left feeling unfulfilled, wounded, alone, run to the arms of the Good Shepherd today. He is truly righteous and just and he alone can save. He loves you. He cares for you. And unlike other leaders, he will not disappoint. He will bring you to the land of fruitfulness. John 10 says, I am the gate. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.